pause there. <laughs> and Jake, for all they do for us, uh, we're so lucky here to have them. So don't forget to thank them. Community Praise Night is October 15th here at the Church Sanctuary at 5. And there's going to be a hymn sing on Sunday, November 12th at 3 p.m. here at the First Church. If you have any hymn suggestions, call or email to the office or leave them with Sharon. At this time, let's uh, greet our neighbors. Good morning once again and welcome to our service of worship here at First Church in New Knoxville. We're so grateful that you've all decided to join us for worship this morning here in the sanctuary, as well as those listening on the radio and watching online. This morning we're going to start our service by having a missions moment, and we're going to be hearing from the Gideons, a ministry that we've supported for many years. And we have with us this morning Mr. Randy Boyd, and he's going to share with us about the Gideons ministry. And uh, in our offering later in the service this morning, we'll go to support the work that they do. So, Randy, thank you for being here this morning. I invite you to come forward and share with us. Juan Quintana was a dirty cop. He was about as dirty as you could get. In the streets of Mexico City, he had a stable of drug smugglers, drug runners, drug suppliers. One night, he was meeting with some of those suppliers when gunshots rang out when the good police showed up. He turned around and hid, and one of his lead informers was shot and was laying on the street, and he ran up to him and reached in his pocket because he knew something very valuable was there. And what he pulled out and ran away with was a little Gideon Testament. Now, Juan didn't pull this out because he was concerned about the Word of God. He pulled that out because inside was a list of other drug informers. So when he got home, Juan opened that up, thinking he knew what he was going to find, but what he found he did not anticipate, and that was the Word of God, which convicted him. Juan gave his life to Jesus Christ. He now has a vibrant street ministry on the streets of Mexico City. God will stop at nothing to get his holy word 
to people who need to hear it. He can use Juan, and he can use me, and everybody in between. That's what we do. We go all over the world. We start in, I'm in Shelby. I, 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 I'm from the Shelby County area, which is, well, of course, you know where it's at. But from Shelby County, Auglaize County, to the ends of the earth, we hand out scriptures. Last year, over 45 million. We make that possible because we partner with churches just like this one. We rely on you for your support, not just financial. We rely on you. We covet your prayers. We go to colleges. And we hand out scriptures everywhere. So what do we do in Auglaize County? Of course, you've probably seen us at the fair, hand, handing out Bibles at the fair, but we also go to doctor's offices and hotels. Last year, or this, this year at the fair, hundreds of Bibles were handed out. And a real cool thing about the Auglaize County Gideons, every Tuesday, they go to the county jail and they minister to the inmates every Tuesday. Praise God for that. Again, made possible because of people just like you. A couple years ago, I came down with cancer, and I was receiving treatment. I'm fine. I'm fine now. I was receiving treatment at the V Ohio State University. I came down one time after a, a not so good of a, a procedure. My wife and I were walking out had COVID mask on and everything else. And uh, uh, on the way out, she said, I'm going to the restroom. Why don't you go in the gift shop? I said, I don't want to go in the gift shop. She said, go in the gift shop. I don't want to go in the gift shop. She said, fine, stand right there. I'm going there. I said, fine. <laughs> so as I'm standing there, God said, go in the gift shop. I went in the gift shop. Turn here, turn here, turn here. So I followed the directions, grumbling kind of like Jonah did, grumbling. And I came around this corner into an area of the gift shop I've never been in, and there she was. There was a young gal there, in a hospital gown, with her IV stand, mask on, nobody near her. And every time I went to a high estate, I would take those little testaments with me, and I would rely upon the Holy Spirit to point out who I was to give it to. And I gave it to her. I walked up to her and I said, Miss, you might think I'm a little strange, which I probably am, but God wants you to have this. That's what we as Gideons do. We hand out Bibles from the individual to the fairgrounds, to the jail, and everything. And we make that possible because that's what God's called us to do. We make that possible because we partner with churches just like this one. Church, I want to thank you for your stalwart, ongoing support. I've heard about it, and it's astounding. And I, this, you know, I, I, I live in Anna. I've been in New Knoxville so many times. I've never been to this church. I love This is beautiful. I want to thank you for all of your support. Thank you, Pastor, for having us in today. Now, don't run away because I want to pray for you before in Gideon's oh. before you go sit down. 
um, I think what your, your testimony that you just shared there was so powerful because God's word in Isaiah 55 says that it doesn't return to him void, right? And so we share the word, we pass it along to people, yeah. and, and we let God do the work, right? And he yeah, does yeah. amazing things with that. So yeah. um, as I mentioned earlier, our offering today is going to support the Gideon's ministry. So um, if you want to go to, if you want to support them, um, you'll have an opportunity to do that later in the service. Um, but one thing we can always do is be praying for our missionaries and, our, and the um, people that are sharing the word of God. So let's join, in, join me in prayer now as I lift up the Gideons. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to hear from uh, Roy and, and, the, and Randy and the, the ministry that they do, Lord. I'm just so grateful for um, the Gideons and, and for their boldness in sharing and proclaiming the word of God, especially, Lord, in places where, um, where people uh, normally are, uh, hotels, doctor's offices, even in the jails, Lord. And I'm so grateful, Lord, for that ministry. And I pray that our support today, uh, our financial support today, would be a blessing to them and, and further the work of your kingdom. And I also pray, Lord, that you would bless and support them uh, more than financially, spiritually, Lord. Give them a boldness to continue to share and proclaim your word in every situation. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you for being here with us today. Yep. Thank you. Okay. As we continue to worship, let us, anybody that's able to stand, stand and have the call of worship. Call to worship this morning is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 18 through 25. For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come. Assemble, you fugitives from the nations. <clears throat> Ignore those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be. Present it. Let them take count. Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior, and there is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered, in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raised against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. And now we will continue to worship and praise the Lord.
And if you walk in freedom, and if you bear his name, sing the song forever to the Lamb. Well, sing the song forever and again, and the angels cry, Holy, all creation cries, you're singing this song, uh, something just kind of came to me. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah sees this vision of the Lord high and lifted up in the temple, and angels surrounding uh, the Lord in all of his glory, they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There's passages in scripture that describe God's characteristics and his qualities, but his holiness is the only thing that is repeated three times like that. God is love, God is powerful, God is all-knowing, but only his holiness is described by being repeated three times. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I'm going to put the praise team on a spot. Can we sing that last chorus again? And just keep that in mind, that God, the God we worship is a God who is holy and high and lifted up 
and he is the one that we worship this morning. Most gracious God, thank you for the opportunity to join together in your church this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, your name stands above all names. You are most righteous, and we praise your name this day for your sovereign control over each of our lives. Father, we need you not only this day, but every day of our lives. You are certainly worthy of our praise and glory. And we thank you for your provision in our lives and the blessings you provide the ministries of First Church. We lift up Pastor Joel and Tori to you, as well as other Bible-professing pastors, and ask that you continue to instill boldness in them to speak the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for your word and the promises and principles you provide in your word. Psalm 116 tells us, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Father, this Christian walk we are on is impossible to live without your light. As the book of Matthew tells us, we are to be the salt of the earth and the light to the world. And we ask you to help us all shine your light in this world of darkness. Father God, we take this opportunity to acknowledge all of those dealing with difficulties, heartache, illnesses, and tribulation in their lives. There are many people in our church, community, state, nation, and world that need your comfort and healing, Lord. You alone are the only one that can provide the everlasting comfort and healing that people are longing for. We pray for each individual that requires not only the physical comfort and healing, but also the spiritual comfort and healing that is so needed. Along with this, Lord, we thank you for the peace and contentment that you provide. No matter what trial and difficulty we go through, we know that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we also bring delight and the responsibility to protect them, including the unborn. Next month, the state of Ohio will be at another crossroads and will be going back to the polls to vote on this issue. Father, there are dark forces at work that want to destroy life. As Christians, we need to take a stand for our children as well as the unborn. 
Every life is precious in your eyes. So help us all see things from your perspective, Lord. You are the creator of each and every human life. So we ask for your help in protecting what you've created, Lord. Father God, we also take this opportunity to pray for peace in Israel. This weekend has seen more bloodshed and loss of life, and it continues to happen at this time. We ask that your hand would be with that situation and bring quick resolution to the conflict. Please provide protection and wisdom to the Prime Minister Netanyahu and other leaders in Israel. We also pray for their enemies. Help them understand that their attempts to destroy Israel are useless because it is protected by your hand. Turn their hearts towards peace, Lord. And Father, most importantly, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to the cross as a sacrifice for each of our sins. Thank you for the blood that was shed and providing us with the free gift of eternal life. I pray for the lost, the folks that don't know Jesus and haven't accepted this free gift. Examine your hearts, repent of your sins, ask for forgiveness, accept Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and make Jesus the Lord of your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray all this in his gracious and glorious name as we join together in the prayer that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And will the children come forward now for the children chat? mic is not working. I guess I have to use my boy voice. The little boy lived in the village, and he got angry all the time. He was angry at his friends. He was angry at his family. And he was angry at just everybody. So his parents worked with him, and they wanted to teach him how to be kind. Well, it was nothing was working. Nothing was stopping him from being angry all the time and being kind to his family and friends. So his dad came up with an idea. They had a fence in their backyard. So every time that this little boy got angry, 
His dad told him, you need to hammer a nail in the fence. Every time you're angry. Now, Evan's going to be my helper today. So, every time he got angry, what was he supposed to do? When he got mad, what was he supposed to do? Hammer a nail in there. You know how many nails he put in the first day? 30. Whoa, that would be a bad day, wouldn't it? Huh? So he hammered him in there. Can you do that? What would your fence look like if you had to hammer a nail in there? Oops, that nail fell out. There we go. That's good. So every day he was hammering nails in there. So pretty soon he hammered less and less nails. So what does that mean? Does that mean he was getting less angry? Guess what happened one day? No nails. He didn't get angry. And that went for a couple days, and he didn't get angry. And so he gave his dad the nails and the hammer back. And his dad said, let's take the nails out. A nail out for every day that you don't get angry. So he started taking the nails out. And so every day he took the nails out, which is awesome, isn't it? But guess what? Just cheating. Use the hammer. <laughs> Make it impressive. All right. Now look. But what's left? What's left where the nails were at? Holes. And the little boy said, well, there's holes there yet. Can you feel them, the holes where the holes were at? And he says, remember that. When you're angry and mad at other people and you hurt their feelings, you leave a little scar in there. You ask them for forgiveness, but they have a little scar from where you hurt them. So we have to be so, so careful to be kind to others. Paul talked to the Philippians when, about Jesus and what Jesus gave up to come to earth. Jesus wanted us to be kind and put other people before us and not be angry. Can you do that? Can you be kind? Think about that when you get angry. If you had to hammer a nail in the fence and what that did to the fence and put holes in there. And that's what it hurts other people. So God wants us to be kind, put other people ahead of us, make them count first. And that's a part of being humble. We're going to talk about what it is to be humble today. So you listen closely. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these dear children. They are such a blessing to us and a blessing to you. Help them to be kind. Help them to learn to put other people first and put their feelings last. Help them to be kind to the world. Father, we thank you so much for our worship this morning, the enthusiasm and the singing, and just a wonderful day that it is. We feel your presence so close. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. As I mentioned earlier in the service, our offering this morning goes to support the work of the Gideons in Auglaise County. 
And so the, the gifts that you put on the offering plate this morning, if they're not designated for another purpose, then they will go to support the work that they do. I did fail to mention, though, that our, our two guests this morning offered to stick around after the service. If anybody has any questions about the work that they do and, and the ministry of the Gideons, um, they'd be happy to, to talk with you. I'll just have you guys kind of gather in that side of them. They're happy to do so after the service today. Uh, we also are having a bit of a change of pace this morning for our offertory music. We're going to sing hymn number 97 in our blue hymnals, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. And so I invite you to open your blue hymnals with us. Again, that's number 97, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Deacons, I invite you to come forward to collect the offering.
Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Connor. You guys may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word this morning. We've already sung it. We've already heard about the importance of it. And now that we've heard it read, Lord, I pray that as we take time this morning to reflect on it and study it, that your Holy Spirit would move in this place to open the hearts and minds of all that are listening to what you have to say to us today. And may your Holy Spirit give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. It doesn't take much to look around this world today and see that disunity and division is a problem, isn't it? Just log on to social media for a couple minutes and and scroll the timeline and and it's right there in front of our faces. And Christians aren't immune to that problem either. I attended Anderson University over in Indiana. It's a church of God school. And and while I was at college, I attended a church uh, kind of a little ways away from campus. And if you've ever been in like in a college town and especially a Christian college town, there are churches everywhere, right? I had, to, I had to drive by, I think, seven or eight churches to get to the one that I wanted to go to that morning, right? And all those churches, although they were, they, they were good and served their purpose in their own way, in a way they also represented the problems that sometimes we Christians have in being united. Philippians 2 has a lot to say about what Christian unity looks like and how we can strive for it ourselves. The big idea that Paul is trying to communicate in this passage is that Christian unity is maintained through humility. Paul is writing to this Philippian church who was, Paul himself was writing from prison, so he was experiencing hardship, and he was writing to the Philippian church who were experiencing hardships of their own. If you look back a couple verses to the end of chapter 1, he mentions the, the suffering that they are experiencing. Suffering sometimes is a way of creating division, doesn't it? Hardship has a way of pulling people apart. And so Paul here is addressing a very real need that the Philippian church is experiencing, and he's addressing a very practical need on our end of things as well, a need for unity, a need to come together under Christ and humbly serve one another. See, the first thing that Paul teaches the Philippians is that Our unity as Christians is a gift from God, and it comes through a common connection to Jesus Christ as Lord. 
So no matter what church you attend or, or what denomination your church may belong to or whether you're an independent church like ours, the one thing that all believers, born-again believers, have in common is that common connection to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, that common sharing in the Spirit. And so unity, above all else, is a gift from God that comes from Him. If you're a born-again believer, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and if you have been given His Holy Spirit, then you have more in common to do with an unbeliever in your own neighborhood. And the reason I say that is because the one thing that you share in common with that person in South Korea that you've never met is that you both have been given your lives over to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, and you've both been given the Spirit of God. That's what Paul is trying to communicate here in verse 1. He says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit. Paul is pointing to the one thing that, that all Christians have in common, no matter where they live or when they've lived, is that if you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then, then you are part of His family. You have been brought together in Him. And that is where our unity comes from. This united in Christ part here is important to recognize because, because if we are in Christ, which is a common New Testament phrase to describe our relationship with Him, if we are in Christ, if I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, then we are in the same place together, right? We have been brought together in Him. The relationship that we have with God is on an individual basis, right? We each have an individual responsibility to put our faith in Him. But that also brings us into fellowship and into, into a Christian community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's important to recognize that our unity comes from the Lord. It is, it is a gift from Him, and it is the one thing that, that all believers have in common. And it overcomes the many differences that we may experience. Right? We, are, we have all sorts of differences, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we may not always agree on everything, but the one thing that we do have in common is that connection to Christ and in Christ. So the first thing we recognize here is that, is that our unity is a gift from God and, is, and it is established through a relationship with Christ and the indwelling presence of His Holy Spirit. One more thing to say about that before we move on, right? The, the, the promise here is that, is that all believers have been given that same Holy Spirit, right? And Scripture says that the Holy Spirit that we have as Christians is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, right? So if that same Holy Spirit is in you and is in me, do you think He can overcome some of those minor differences that we have, some of those minor disagreements? I think so, right? If He has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, then he certainly can help us overcome those things that we don't see eye to eye on and can bring us together in him. So the second thing that we see here in this passage, and we see it in verse 2, is that, is that Christian unity brings us together under one common purpose. He says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind. That idea of being one mind is like being united in purpose or mission, having one goal before you. Now, this doesn't mean that we're all going to be cookie-cutter Christians that all have agree 100% on everything. Right? I don't believe there is a, a cookie-cutter Christian 
right? A mold that we're all trying to fit into. If anything, the mold is Christ, right? We are trying to be more like him in everything that we do. But God created us all uniquely, right? We have different gifts and talents and abilities. We have different tendencies. And so we are not all going to be perfectly lined up in everything that we do. You get 100 people in a room together and you're probably going to have 200 opinions about things because people can't even always agree with themselves, right? So, so, it's, so this like-mindedness, this one mind, one goal, it's more than just uniformity. It's the decision, it's the intentional decision to overcome our differences for the sake of our common purpose and mission. And what is that common purpose and mission? What is the one goal that all Christians should have in mind? It is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? I know sometimes I, I, I quote from different catechisms, right? That's not the Heidelberg, that's the Westminster Confession of Faith. The chief, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? That is our goal as Christians. The goal of our lives is not to have a, a successful career. It's not to have 2.2 kids and a white picket fence, right? It's not to have a very good 401k retirement plan. All of those things can be good and can be part of the blessing that God bestows upon your life. But the goal of the Christian life is not to be comfortable here in this life. It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so that means that, that we put him first in everything we do. And if we as a body of believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, agree on that same goal, then it can help us to overcome those differences that we may have. Jesus was once asked what the greatest commandment was. We're all familiar with that story. There's 613 Old Testament commandments that he could have picked from. And so Jesus was presented this question, and he says, It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, in this passage in Philippians 2, I think think what Paul is getting at is that humility, excuse me, unity is grounded in living out those two commands. So in verse 2, he says that, uh, that unity comes from having that one common goal of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we can all agree to do that, then it's going to bring us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he goes on in verses 3 and 4 to say that the extension of that is to then love your neighbor as yourself. Or as he says in verses 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility value others above yourselves. You see, our Christian unity is maintained through humility our ability to love our neighbor as ourself, as Jesus put it in Matthew 24. You see, humility is not, is not beating yourself up, but it's just simply thinking of yourself less and choo- choosing to put others ahead of yourself. Right? Humility is choosing to, to not be selfish, but to be selfless. Right? Selfishness is a poison, isn't it? Selfishness can, can, is a poison that can kill marriages, it can kill friendships, and it can certainly kill churches. When everybody's just looking out for their, their own well-being, when everybody's just putting number one first, it causes all sorts of division and disagreement, and it's a poison that slowly kills relationships. But the flip side of that is true. If, if selfishness 
is a poison, then the remedy is humility. The remedy is selflessness, thinking of yourself less and being willing to put others above yourself. And so that's what Paul is encouraging the church to do. Don't, don't look out for your own interests. Don't look out for your own preferences, but to put others ahead of yourself. You see, the problem with preferences is that we all have them, right? We all have a certain way of doing things that we prefer over other things. That's what it is to be human, right? There's nothing wrong with preferences. The problem comes in is when you allow your preferences to take priority over others. When you allow your preferences to take priority over your ability to to love God and love others in Christian unity and humility. And so it's good to know what your preferences are. It's good to understand yourself and it's good to live into those things when you're able to. But it's also important to know the preferences of your neighbor, to know the preferences of your brothers and sisters in Christ that you worship with on Sunday mornings, to, to know the preferences of the neighbor, neighbors in your community so that you can help them to experience those things as well, so that you can help service to your brothers and sisters in Christ or to your neighbor to lift them up and to allow them to experience and live into their preferences. Imagine a church, right? Imagine a neighborhood or community where everybody is going out of their way to serve somebody else. Imagine a church when nobody cares about having their own needs met, but you just go out of your way to try to meet the needs of somebody else. That would be a pretty good church to belong to, right? That would be a great place to be. I think a lot of people would want to be a part of a church like that. And that's the vision that Paul is putting out for us. Christian humility maintains our unity. And finally, our Christian humility is empowered by the example of Jesus Christ. So as Paul lays out this vision for his church, he then goes on to give us the ultimate example of what that looks like. And of course, it's in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In my conference last week, somebody pointed out that the the normal shape of a Christian life is a J curve. Think of the letter J. There's a downward movement. There's the dying to self. There's transformation. And then there's a, a rising to new life and moving in that direction. And we see that here uh, spelled out for us in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, who is in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Right? So he made himself nothing. So, so Jesus didn't stop being God when he was born, right? He is fully God and fully man. But he chose to set the rights and privileges he has as the eternal son of God aside for our sake and for our salvation. And so he humbled himself. And there's this downward trajectory. He became a human being, but not just a human being. He became a servant and not just a servant. He chose to lay down his life by dying on the cross for you and for me reaching the absolute bottom point of becoming obedient to death on a cross. But it was through that humility, it was through his sacrifice, his loving sacrifice, that he was then exalted, right? And in God's perfect plan, we talked about that last week, God's perfect plan doesn't always make sense to us, does it? But in his perfect plan, Jesus is somehow even more glorious, even more exalted for having humbled himself. He's, even, he's lifted up to an even greater degree because he, was, he chose to die on that cross for us. And that is why it says that every name, excuse me, every 
every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, some people use that passage to, to, to maybe uh, teach some sort of universalism, that all people are going to be saved one day, and so it doesn't really matter what we do now. But I don't think that's what Paul is teaching here. I don't think that's what Scripture as a whole testifies to. What it is saying, though, is that every person will come to that knowledge eventually. And for those that are in Christ, those that have given their life to him in this lifetime, that'll be to their joy and their excitement. They will gladly bow down and worship Jesus as Savior and Lord. But there will be some who will come to that realization too late. That when they go and they stand before the Lord, they will realize that they had rejected him in this life. They'll realize that for them, it was too late. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And for what purpose? To the glory of God the Father. You see, that's the glory of humility. In Jesus' life, he humbled himself. He died on the cross for your sake and for your salvation. And he was exalted so that the God, the God the Father may be glorified. And that's our purpose too. When we humble ourselves in Christian humility and, and unity, we do so so that God will be glorified. Right? It's not to us. It's not about putting ourselves first. It's about lowering ourselves so that he may be lifted up, so that he may be glorified. Let's commit to doing that together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you call us to something greater than ourselves, that you call us to Christian unity through humility, that you call us to lay down our own lives in a loving, sacrifice, serve others, so that at the end of the day, you may be glorified in all things. We pray that you would help us to live that out in our own lives by following the example of Christ, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service, I invite you to stand and sing our closing song, Son of Heaven. Oh
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.